0: All of us, we understand the importance of keeping good inventory, or publishing a staff schedule once a week, or tracking our food cost, right? We have systems in place in our restaurants that help us do our job better, so why don't we apply the same thinking to the way we market our restaurants? Today on uh, the show, I am interviewing a guy named Matt Plapp, who has dedicated his career to helping operators uh, get a handle on their marketing. He just wrote a book. We're going to talk a lot about that book. We're going to talk about the work he does with his company. It's a great episode tons of value don't go anywhere there's an old saying goes something like this you'll only find three kinds of people in the world those who see those who will never see and those who can see when shown this is restaurant strategy a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week, we toggle back and forth between a monologue-style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this week's podcast is sponsored by Seven Rooms, a guest experience and retention platform for the hospitality industry. From neighborhood restaurants and bars to international multi-concept hospitality groups, their data-driven platform empowers operators to build more profitable direct relationships, deliver exceptional experiences, and increase repeat visits and orders. With a full suite of products, including reservation, waitlist, and table management, online ordering, review aggregation, and marketing automation, Seven Rooms is the perfect choice for helping you gain a 360-degree view of your guests, both on and off-premise. Book a demo with Seven Rooms today and receive an Amazon gift card for $50 simply by booking the demo. Email hello at try7rooms.com with restaurant strategy in the subject line. So, my guest on today's episode is a guy named Matt Plapp. He is the CEO and founder of a company called America's Best Restaurants. Uh, He handles marketing for restaurants. He is all things restaurants. He's just written a book, which we're going to spend a great deal of time talking about. Uh, Really thrilled to have him on the show. Matt, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, you and I get connected through the internet worlds and uh, you are connected to a lot of the people that I admire and you hang out in very cool circles and you learn from a lot of really cool people. It's one of the things that I've come to really appreciate about you, as much as you know, uh, and as much as you help guide other people, you're always constantly learning, and it's this like constant evolution, right, especially when we talk about technology and marketing, nothing ever, nothing ever is finished, It, it just continues to change and evolve. So I want to use that to talk about kind of your own journey, because as you write about in this book, the book is called Restaurant Marketing That Works, uh, before, during, and after the pandemic. It's uh, mercifully short uh, and and packed with insights. Um, But in this book, you talk about your own journey, about how you came to this. And I want to give some context to the listeners. So if we can go back and talk about how you got started with marketing and then how that um, got you into marketing for restaurants.
1: Yeah. So first, thanks for having me, and thanks for the great introduction there. And I love the bringing up the networking and being around the same people. I think one thing I've learned as an adult that it took me to my late 30s to learn. I'm 45 now. But from you know 22 to 36, 37, I, I, I hung in too tight of a circle uh, with people that weren't making me better. And one thing I've set out to do, especially since 2015, but probably since, you know, I can't do the math here. You know, the last seven, eight, nine years is just really to be the dumbest person in the room and try and find people that are a different experience level, a different thought pattern. You know, that's one of the reasons I like going to the West Coast uh, is that it's a different mindset out there. Uh, and you know, everywhere I travel, I think sometimes we get stuck in our circle of who we went to high school with, who went to college with our family. And unfortunately, sometimes the people you hang around with can make you dumber or they can make you smarter. So yeah, you know, I choose to hang around people like you way more often. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you were just uh, last week. You were out in California. You talk about the West Coast, uh, hanging out with uh, Josh Copel. I just sat on uh, Josh's. Uh, podcast, and uh, that was a real surreal moment for me because he's somebody I really got really look up to. Uh, I admire a great deal. I love the generosity he brings to his podcast, the Full Comp podcast, if anybody uh, doesn't know it. Uh, you were a guest on that show, uh, sharing the wisdom that you've got, but also kind of teasing out some of the wisdom that Josh has to give. Uh, you spent some time when you were out there with Sean Walsh, again, somebody that I look up to a great deal. I was very fortunate to have him on the show uh, just about a month ago, uh, somebody that I uh, I love chatting with because I just keep learning. He uh, he really embodies that same kind of humility, that generosity. So tell me, uh, I'll use that to, to. we'll take a little sidetrack. Yep. Talk to me about that trip, that, that swing out west, and what you learned from those guys and the other guys that you met with you when you were out there.
1: Yeah, so Josh, by the way, wow. Like, I don't know if you've met him in person and spent time with him. Like, I knew he was a good dude. I knew he was a great human being uh, just from some of his you know, his. I guess candidness online, uh, but man, that that dude's as le- legit as they get. Yeah. yeah, it's like I saw Magic Johnson the other day. He actually spoke at the event I went to. I saw him make a post the other day about being with another basketball player and how great this guy. I'm like, you're Magic Johnson. Like, <laughs> 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 but uh, and Josh was was that way. And then Sean, from a standpoint of being just a freak of nature when it comes to to marketing, uh, I don't see that often. I don't find people often within four walls that can outmarket me yeah the uh, is a beast.
0: Um, he is a beast.
1: But yeah, so you know I was out there for a digital conference called Traffic and Conversions. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a conference for three days that teaches you how to find traffic online to your business and then how to convert it. And so there's probably fifty sessions over three days. I've been going to it for five years. Uh, more than anything, I go out there because you know, there's a handful of people out there that put me in the right place mentally. Uh, Billy Jean, Shaw is a guy that's a friend of mine and a business coach of mine who's out in San Diego. Uh, Chef Santiago from Donut Bar as a guy I've become friends with that I met on a West Coast trip two years ago uh, and then got to know more online and then interviewed him for the podcast. Now that the reason we've talked a few times. I uh, think guys like Josh. So I, I look at whenever I travel. I travel every other week. Uh, that's one thing that I, I insist on doing. We never stopped. People think I'm crazy, but... April of 2020 May of 2020 2000, you name it we, we were somewhere every other week uh, and one thing I li- reason I like to do that and bring that up is you know I don't think anybody's been in more restaurants than me
0: no I, I think that might be true
1: and so one thing and one thing I'll say it's unique about that I've also found a way to do that and not affect my family life because it's important for me like this morning I got up at 6 am me and my son did some sit-ups some planking uh, bench press and some curls and then we hopped in a hot tub and I swam in our pool and so I find ways to travel that don't affect being around my my daughter, son, and wife. And so a lot of times I'll do a Tuesday through Thursday, and I'll get up at 4 a.m. on Tuesday, fly somewhere, come back at midnight Thursday, and it's it's like I wasn't gone. You know, my yeah. wife one time famously called me. I'd been in Pittsburgh for two days. She called me, and said, hey, "What are you for dinner tonight?" And I'm like, "What?" She's like, "We go for dinner." And I'm like, "I'm in Pittsburgh." She's like, "Oh, that's why I haven't seen you in the last couple of days." <laughs> but I find a way to kind of sneak in and out, uh, but to me, it's important to be not only in places, you know, they say you're the sum of the people you spend the most time with. Yeah. But I, not only to be around the right people, uh, but also be in the environments. And so if like, when I go to California, like I'm in Kiwa Island in two weeks, I'm fortunate that I get to pick a lot of the places I go to. You know, I being the boss has its perks, you know, when my team, cause we have teams that fly and travel in our vans every week somewhere. So when I have a chance to pick where I go, I'm like, Oh yeah, that Kiwa Island sounds really good.
0: <laughs> it's not terrible. It's <laughs> good.
1: Uh, but, You know, going out there, getting my feet in the sand, uh, getting in the ocean, uh, getting around people. I don't drink, and so it's unique, as I can sit there at, you know, from seven p.m. till two a.m. at a bar with a a guy like Josh or somebody else, and talk business the whole night, uh, and it doesn't ever bother me because I wake up the next morning ready to go. I don't drink; I'm never hungover. So uh, there's a lot of things like that. And then from a, a business standpoint, being able to be inside of restaurants, I think that's one thing that really kills me about our industry is there's a lot of you know, if this was on video, air quote, consultants that uh, yeah. that that have worked in a restaurant for a week, and you know, I have a couple friends of mine that are restaurant marketing consultants, and they, you know, they're nice guys. They understand advertising, but they don't understand the plight of yep. of, of it. And so I'm, I mean, I'm literally, be me and my team. I bet we're in fifty to sixty, actually, in, inside the four walls every week, and I do a lot of it myself. So I, I enjoy being in there and hearing the stories and understanding. Like, when I tell somebody. Hey, nine point five out of ten people that walked through your door the last four hours—you don't know who they are. Yeah. No, because I watched and I asked them and I surveyed them and I looked and said, "Hey, you just had a bunch of one-night stands with customers. Let's not do that anymore. Let's let's get their information. Let's get them to come back. Let's create a relationship." So I think that's uh, important—is—is living. You know, they say eat, sleep,
0: and drink what you do, and that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. So then, because I I do want to get back and talk to talk about how you got into this line of work. But I guess let's first talk, and I should have asked this, I guess. Talk to, uh, tell me, tell the listeners uh, what your company is, what it's all about. Um, you talked about a little bit about the scope and the size of it, but I think that'll uh, that'll help frame this conversation as we go forward.
1: Yeah, so we're a uh, timeshare. No, I'm just kidding. We <laughs> <laughs> do this a lot of times, like I'm speaking on Monday at our grand opening of our new office here in Northern Kentucky, and I always say, hey, who is here for the timeshare? No, <laughs> so our company uh, started in 2008. 2008. So we're on 11 years now, I guess is that right? 11, 12. I don't know if it's and the concept of it was a small business marketing consultancy that I saw that a lot of smaller independent businesses don't have the ability to have a marketing department. Uh, they all have a lawyer. They all have an accountant. Uh, they all have a cleaning company. They all have an insurance person, but rarely do they have a marketing team. And I, I use this example day in my team. I said, you know, how many times does a restaurant go back to the 16-year-old that's washing dishes and say, hey, we need you to make the new menu for next quarter? (laughs) They don't. Well, they do it with the marketing. And so my goal was to bring professionalism to the small business, to that independent business. And back in 2008, it was any business, mostly retail because my experience and expertise has been retail for 20 plus years. Uh, But I've always had a lot of connections in the restaurant business. So that eventually got me in the restaurant world. And here we are now with hundreds of restaurant clients. So our company... Well, as a parent company, the uh, the major company is called America's Best Restaurants, and we have two divisions. We have a media arm, which is my baby, America's Best Restaurants TV show. That's what what I do most of the time nowadays, is we have, I guess, eight or nine of us now on that team that travel the country. Uh, By March, we'll have five vans on the road. Five years from now, we'll have 50. And to put it in perspective, by March, that van number one will be at 60 locations a week. Hour 15 minutes at hour sessions, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. They fly in and out three days a week. Uh, but we're filming what I call my virtual, not, you know, the online TV show. We're getting one to one with operators like Sean to showcase restaurants consumers should eat at every week. Because I look at it from a, two angles is that number one, restaurants survive off of frequent customers, they die on infrequent customers. And consumers need to have places that are their go-tos. Like I grew up with Cheers and Norm. And so my goal is to create a lot of norms for restaurant. I feel there's an opportunity uh, with our, our vans. And if you check us out at americasbestrestaurants.com, you can see what it looks like. The episodes, they're, they're shot three to five minute short story. It's basically, here's the restaurant. Tell us about it. Tell us three items I got to have here. They're down and dirty. It's not like Guy Fieri where we're going in there and shooting for four days. We're in there in and out in an hour. Had a guy the other day said, "Matt, you guys got in, got in my restaurant, and we're gone by 30 minutes." He's like, "That was great. My chef loved it. He thought I was going to shut the operation down." So my vision, just to put that in perspective, is that media company of our of ours. Each van that's on the road after 12 months will have created about 13,000 pieces of content online for local restaurants. When I have 50 vans on the road in five years, there will not be a place you can go online on your digital device and not find America's best restaurant. So my goal is to help tell the story because what I found uh, over the last 10, 12, 13 years is there's two places people find restaurants right now uh, online. It's mostly Google and Yelp and they have their advantages, but the adva- disadvantage to the restaurant tour is they don't control the, the, the narrative. I want to give a place where restaurants control the narrative because if your restaurant sucks, we're not putting you on the site. Uh, and like i always say how, and they say what what's your qualification i say, it's a restaurant i would eat at yeah and i and i hire people on the team that agree with me and you know we go to places that we would eat at weekly that we hey this is a pizza i could have this is a a salad this is a smoothie this is a coffee shop so that's one part of the company the other part of the company which ironically funds <laughs> the other part uh, restaurant marketing that works the book is named after that division Uh, that's a company that we help uh, restaurants. We call it ABR, attract, build, retain. How do we help you attract attention from consumers that should know about you or already do? How do we help you build a database from that attention? And then how do we help you retain their attention? Because that's what I, when I say a lot of restaurants, you're having one night stands with your customers. It's meaning that customers are coming in, probably having a great meal. And then they're leaving and you're hoping pray that they come back. You hope that like they had a great meal. That's right. You pray that they remember that you're the place they had a great meal at last. That's right. I want to eliminate hope and pray. I call it aim and expect. You should be able to look in your database and go, okay, man, Wednesdays at lunch isn't doing well. What can we do about it? Okay, let's look at our frequent customers. Let's look at men. Those are probably our best opportunity. Let's target men that are frequent customers with a lunch promotion, with a lunch messaging. And I think that's a big missing factor because the restaurants do not have the data of it. I just got off the phone recently, uh, This this morning with a restaurant that over the last year, this big campaign they put out with a big, bad marketing company across the country that I won't mention, but they could buy and sell me a million times, helped them acquire 700 customer email and cell phone numbers in a year. And the guy's like, so what do you think? I said, well, let's, I, won't, I won't tell you what I think. Let's just share my screen. Here's 10 restaurants we've worked, my company's worked with in the past month that are brand new. And he's looking. He's like, they're getting seven hundred in a month. I go, exactly. I said, we're not doing. They're not doing that good of a job in their four walls asking the right questions. We'll get that up to a thousand. And so that's what that part of the company does. So they both work together. Uh, Short term restaurant marketing works. The profit funds our TV show. People, I say, hey Matt, how's this TV thing making money? Well, it's not. Now, it's spending a lot of money, but in twenty four to thirty six months, when we're the the name that everybody knows for restaurants, it'll make a lot of money and we'll be good. So.
0: The interesting thing, you just brought up data. And um, I always love when people say this oh, there's, there's no data. It's all about data. It's all about data. You know, restaurants don't, uh, don't control their data. They, they need more data. And, and, I always, uh, and I always disagree with people. And I said, no, we've got plenty of data. We've been collecting data via Open Table, right? If, you know, whatever data is, and via our POS system for 25 years, 35 years, 40 years. The problem is, uh, and I think in, in your book, certainly you outline a lot of this, is that we have data. We just don't know what to do with it. We can't make sense of it, and we can't make it actionable. And so um, we know when it's people's birthday. We know uh, the you know their number, their their basic demographic, male, female. Like we we've had information, and we've had the means to collect that information. What we haven't had is the, a way to synthesize that and make it actionable, which is a, a large part of what you guys are doing. Uh, a large part of what you talk about here in this book, and I love this because. You kind of give the playbook. You say, hey, this is everything we do. And I've talked to other authors um, and said a similar thing. And, and it's probably a reason why I have them on the show. It's a reason why I have you on the show. Um, I appreciate that generosity. It's like, hey, listen, this is what to do. This is, uh, this is everything we do. This is what I recommend. If you want us to do it, uh, great. We're happy to do that. And if you want to go figure out how to do it yourself, by all means, here's the playbook. This is exactly what we're going to do. So talk to me about that. So you talked about the uh, attract, build, retain. Talk to, talk to me about some of that founda- the foundational pieces that you think are so important for restaurant owners to, to have. So
1: I, I agree and I disagree with you that, yes, a lot of restaurants have a lot of data. I don't think they have the right data. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, and then the other part of it is I don't think they have to use it. It's like a baby. Like watching a baby that it has legs. <laughs> exactly. And it probably can stand up, but it hasn't figured out how to stand up. It hasn't figured exactly. out. And I, and I think that a lot of restaurants, the, the piece of the data they're missing is that they've got like pieces of it. And it's like having a like i I've got this puzzle that's on my parents' wall. I still believe at some point in their house or at some places we're missing this puzzle and then this piece of that my mom made clay out of it when I was a kid because we didn't, couldn't find it. Uh, but I think that there's just Missing pieces in there. Uh, the biggest part, though, is is knowing how to use it. Is I have a grill. I have a big green egg. I spent like a two thousand dollars on, and you know what? I can make ribs. That's about it. Uh, you know, but I bet if I had Sean out to my house or his team, or nine out of ten restaurants I know, they could do a lot of cool stuff. Like I've always wondered how to make brussels sprouts correctly. It's not doesn't work for me. And that's the same way on the other end of it. Is that that data. Uh, is huge if you have it. And if you don't have it, you got to get it. But if you do have it, you got to use it. And, and so I, then
0: talk to me about that because you said you don't think operators are collecting the right data. I want to know what do you mean by that? What is the right data? And then they're not doing anything with that. And so what's the right data they should collect? And then what can they be doing with that? So
1: I've been married 22 years as of last month. Been with my wife for 26. That doesn't happen if I do not Ask her in study hall. We were both athletes in college, and both forced to go to study hall until you got a certain grade point average. Which, thank goodness, I got that grade point average in like a six months and got out of it. Unlike my buddy who was in it for years. Uh, <laughs> the if I don't ask Christy for her phone number, I I may never have a conversation with her. We may not go on our first date, our second date, our third date. We may not get engaged. We may not get married. So the the number one piece of data that you have to have is how to contact your customers on your time. You know, you get people say, "Oh, I've got a pixel on my website." I love it. Pixels are great to retarget them on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all these places, but you got to pay for that. And you've got to have a little luck in there and you got to hope you find them again. Uh, the the biggest piece of data you can have and I say this in a chunk cuz if you ask people these five questions and you do it in a software or a manner that is easy, they will give it to you. So number 1, you got to have their name. Number 2, you've got to have cuz nobody wants to be re- replied "Hey you." Like, you don't want me to cop on here and go, hey, this is, I actually saw like, an interview of the podcast, with a, a guy's like, hey, what's your name again? And I'm like, why are you? <laughs> <talking about that?" laughs> and he wanted to interview me for his podcast. And I'm like, dude, I watched two of your podcasts and the fir- I, I got off them because you didn't know the person's name, but you don't want to ref- per- ref- uh, refer to your customers as, hey, you. Uh, so you want to have their name. I think the number one piece of data outside of that, besides contact, is what type of customer they are. Are they new, frequent, or lost? Meaning you can ask a question to a customer right off the bat. And we use uh, we use a, a, our software in Messenger. We ask it. You can do it on a landing page in a lot of places. You know, how often do you come to the restaurant? I, I, I have never been. I'm brand new. I haven't been in a while. I'm lost. I come every week to every few weeks. I'm a frequent customer. That allows you to segment people and talk to people differently because a frequent customer might join your loyalty program. A brand new customer could care less. You're know, Like a client of ours... Uh, recently launched an app in the App Store, and it's a really cool app. And we looked at the data, and we saw that the number of people that were going to the Apple i the, the Apple iTunes Store to download the app aren't new customers; they're they're frequent customers. Uh, so having that piece of data, the next piece of data is cell phone number. It's 2021. People open text messages, reply to text messages more often than anything else. So you got to have their cell phone number. The second thing you got to have is you got to have their email, and the third thing depending on the type of restaurant, is birthday is a key element because typically people enjoy eating out on their birthday and they enjoy getting something that doesn't suck on their birthday. Like I got a $10 off $100 purchase recently at a restaurant. Well, the average check at that restaurant for me is $200. Yeah. Like, so why would you not just give me $25 for free? Give me, make me excited to come. So I think, you know, name, visit frequency, cell phone, email, birthday. That gives you, ways number one it gives you their name number two it gives you ways to segment them number uh, three it gives you a
0: way to text them a way to email them and then it gives you a valid way reason to reach out on their birthday and so that i guess that leads me to the, the other piece of the question which is that um what should you be doing with that when you collect people's birthdays you should then be uh emailing them messaging them texting them ahead of their birthday with some some sort of deal once you've segmented them and you know more about them you hit them with appropriate messages yeah The most successful restaurants take brand and design very seriously. That includes aesthetics like architecture, lighting, and music, all the way down to silverware and plating. But a restaurant is nothing without the people that make it come alive. And so the natural question is, how do you dress your staff? How do they look? Stock manufacturing has been crafting premium apparel since 2012 and are consistently called upon by Michelin star quality restaurants for their expertise. With stock, you get the best of both worlds, all the style of retail with the price, continuity, and customer service of a traditional uniform vendor. They offer an assortment of everyday items that are ready to ship with no minimum order quantity and can make these items stand out with small custom touches like embroidery, hats, and pins. They can also design fully custom uniforms from the ground up to complement your restaurant's brand, decor, and environment. They're offering a special promotion for listeners of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast, wholesale pricing on all in-stock products, plus... 50% 50% off all design fees for fully custom uniforms. Visit stockmfg.co slash chip to get started. Again, S-T-O-C-K-M-F-G dot co slash C-H-I-P. As always, that link is in the show notes. Think about
1: this. So ABR, track, build, retain. Uh, and it's it's not a coincidence that a track, build, retain came from America's best restaurants. I was looking for an acronym and we had an acronym we already used, which was called AAR. And I was like, what can I do there to make it? I'm like, oh, ABR, build instead of uh, you know the way we had it in there, but attract, build, retain. And so you, you're trying to attract, all marketing is attracting attention. And I was talking to a restaurant owner the other day about this and I, I've i got a coach I use for, I guess you could call it my voice uh, as far as my standpoint of how I'm perceived and what I talk about. And she's like, man, you got to get more real. She's like, you're not being yourself online. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Matt, I've heard conversations with you off a of microphone and you're not not—you're a little too polished sometimes online and you need to be more like down the dirt. And so I told her about a because I was talking about a conversation. I, I had this operator that said, hey, you know, uh, we didn't increase our sales based on this, that, and the other. We're talking about stuff. I said, dude, let me ask you a question. If you've got a thousand people that see your brand a hundred times this year, you know, that's a hundred thousand impressions. If those same thousand people see your brand 500 times next year, do you think they're not going to eat your food more often? If you don't, if you honestly think that, you're either A, an idiot, B, have terrible food, <laughs> or C, should be working for somebody instead of running a business. I think at the end of the day, if I like, like I enjoy a place called Hothead Burritos National for from my house. I enjoy barley corns. If I see barley corns, buffalo wings, a hundred times this year versus five times last year, I'm going to consume said buffalo wings more often. So it all starts with attraction. Now, the key place where people mess up is they get the wrong type of attraction and they lose it. So when I say attract, build, retain, the retain part is I want you to retain their attention. You retain their attention by having the means to communicate with them more often via email and text, but also by not only talking about you. You notice I've been with my wife for 26 years. I've got friends of mine who are crazy narcissistic people that have been with five wives in the same 26 years. Why? Because they're consumed by themselves. When they go home, if I went home every night the last twenty six years and like, hey Christy, you know what? This morning I crushed it. in Bench uh, podcast was <laughs> <interviews, laughs> my podcast. I was on fire. Uh, this cute blonde at Kroger looked at me. Uh, my car drove fast. If I went home and constantly just Matt Matt Matt, Christy would have been Gandhi. Well, yeah. Restaurants. That's why people quit opening your emails. Is that number one you're not able to segment your database or you're not doing it with your emails I'll use email as a text an example if you've got a thousand person email list I guarantee if, you, if I were to go to a restaurant right now help them build a thousand person email list and they could do it probably in five days and we sent those people all thousand of them the same exact email and we email them in the next 52 weeks with different reasons or excuses to come eat at the restaurant 200 of those people will opt out in the next year so now you're down to 800 and then your open rate will go from 35 to 40% when you start the first time to about 8 to 10% by week 52. So the word retain for me is different. It's retain them by being able to go back out after them. But then also it's not sucking in my messaging to them in order to keep them open in our email. So what we do in our business with restaurants and everything I talk about, we practice exactly what we preach. We practice it for our agency. We practice it for restaurants, is that if you're going to send out... Communication. Number one, you shouldn't be emailing your entire list every week of the year because nobody needs to hear from you that often. Uh, number two, they don't want to hear about you only. So, what we do is we say, hey, the first week of the month, every month, we're sending out messaging to people that are brand new customers. So, the brand new customers messaging, that's the only person that's getting a message that week from us. The second week, we're going after frequent customers. The third week, lost customers. The fourth week, everybody. So, if you look at that equation, in 12 months, your frequent your new customers got an email the first and fourth week every month. The frequent customers got second and fourth, and lost customers got third and fourth. And there's no rhyme or reason to who got first, second, or third. It's just was the order I always say. New frequent lost. That's why we did first, second, third. Yep. Uh, but also we vary the message. So that means like a new customer's gotten 24 emails and texts versus 52. So you just cut down communication. It makes it like a buddy of mine told me, Matt, make yourself less available to people. You'll become a more wanted commodity. And it's the same with restaurants. Do not constantly be available uh, marketing, marketing, marketing in a manner like to them an email. But the other thing is those emails aren't always sales. So if you're a restaurant, like our frequent customer email that goes out every every second week of the month isn't about the restaurant. In April, it's about Mother's Day. Hey, Mother's Day's coming up. We want you to click below, go to Facebook and tell us about a special memory of you and your mom on that post, we're giving away a $100 Mother's Day prize package. Well, next thing you know, we only send that to frequent women. So we segmented our list. So now we didn't bother the men with it because a guy like me, I might see it, but I'm not emotional, I'm not mushy, I'm not gonna have as much stuff in there, but my wife would. And so we target it. Same thing with March Madness. And so every month we have a different topic that engages people. We don't want them to open an email from the restaurant. We want them to open an email. They wonder what's in it. And so they open it up and their mind is confused because, hey, this isn't about coming to have dinner at this restaurant. It's to go to Facebook and tell them about who I think is going to win the big game this, this month, the Super Bowl. Who's going to who's, – who was your – like one, one we did for a bunch of restaurants that had men, frequent men. It was who's on, your, who's on your draft board, fantasy draft last month. And so the email for frequent customers every month isn't about the restaurant because yep. a frequent customer – you already know the damn restaurant. You already have your favorite, like me, barley corns. I already know what I'm going to get when I go there to eat. I already know the appetizer. I know what I'm going to eat for dinner. I don't need to hear about it. I'm not trying anything else. And if I do, get me when I get there with it. Uh, and then maybe do a different thing. So that's the aspect of it. You can't communicate 52 weeks out of the year to your entire database about your food every week. Yeah. That's what happens. That's why you don't retain their attention. You lose their attention because they know it's another stupid email. I got an email today from Barley Coins, a restaurant I just referenced. And ironically, I traded text messages with a guy that I know for the last 20 years, who's our ad agency, who does the emails. But today I got an email from Barley Coins.
0: It's the same shit I get 52 weeks a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because one of the things that I talk about here on the show and, and longtime listeners will uh, will recognize this, uh, but I always say, you know, we want the people on our list so that we can sell to them. Yep. Uh, but why do they want to be on the list? And you got to answer that question. It's different for every concept. Uh, it's different for every market, you know, but, but why do they want to be on the list? Is it access to, you know, uh, to to special products, uh, access to whatever it is, recipes, that you, you gotta answer that. And you can do that in a variety of different ways. Um, but sometimes it's just to be a, you know, a good community member. So what, what are other ways, um, what are some other tactics, other things that you've done to provide value for the list um, that's not selling or not talking about the food? Because I like this line of conversation. There's
1: three things, in my opinion, there's three reasons people want to be on your list. From mm-hmm. consumers, like nobody, I, I was on a restaurant's website the other day. I was doing a critique of them for them with the CEO, and I go to his website. and go, dude, what was the last time you signed up for a newsletter from a restaurant? Oh, never. I'm like, well, I'm on your website. Look at it. It says sign up for our newsletter. like Nobody cares. People yeah. want perks, discounts, freebies. That's number one. They they want something there. So you got to throw a bone occasionally. I don't care if you're a high end steakhouse. I go to a place down the street from my, down the street from where our office and where I live at called Walt's Hitching Post where me and my wife and kids eat there. It's 250 to 400 bucks, like clockwork. We go there four or five times a year because, in my opinion, we usually go there four or five times a year. They're not very good at marketing. From a standpoint, they don't have Matt Plapp's info in a manner they could reach out to me and say, hey, bro, can't wait to see you this month. By the way, isn't the steak delicious looking? Like, I, I just need something easy. I don't need to be sold to because it's my favorite place to go have a steak or ribs. But... The If they maybe once a year did do something, or maybe when I walked in next time, said, hey, uh, you want a free stake your next visit? Uh, yeah, because it's a $50 stake. Why the heck wouldn't I? Great. Do me a favor. Scan this code, answer five questions, and we're going to occasionally communicate with you on stuff that you really like, and you're going to get a free stake every once in a while. Game. Because now all of a sudden, I'm going to waltz 15 times a year instead of four or five and their their incremental profit they just got from that one ask. So number 1 would be freebies, VIP stuff, cool stuff. Uh, the second one would be a valuable reason to engage. Like they certain brands can get away with it. Like McDonald's nobody cares from a standpoint of engagement. But Barley Coins down the street, hey, we're having we're having a contest. We want to pick the best father in Northern Kentucky. Go to Facebook and tell us why your dad's a badass. And so, okay, I'm going to go there. My dad's awesome. Boom, here's why. Uh, and then contests are, we, you wouldn't believe it. Like the simplest thing. And we found this out and we've A, B, C, D, E, F tested everything you can imagine. A jar of candy on a bar in an email or a text and say, hey, Chip, click below to go to Facebook and guess how many mints are in the jar that are on our, that's on our bar. And you're going to be entered to win a $25 gift card. We've got one, we've got a bunch of these, but one in particular in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If I told you a one location restaurant, one location restaurant, generic piece of candy on, on in glass, they had a couple thousand Facebook fans, I an email list of 847 people, I think was the number. How many people do you think guessed on that Facebook? Like you've seen Facebook posts, that get, the average post gets two to five people. How many people do you think guessed on the candy contest for a one-location restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan? I have no idea. How many How many did you get? No oh, number. What's the crazy number you would think? 50. 6,200. <laughs> 2,400 of them weren't on their list because the way we have it built is when they engage the data we use, the software, Database Dynamite says, hey, Matt, thanks for guessing. We see you're not a member of our VIP program. You want something awesome your next visit? Yes, 2,400 people answered those questions. It drove over 800 visits in the next four weeks from a candy contest. Right. But outside of that, the fact that 5,000 plus people engaged in guessing how many stupid mints were in a jar on the pop top of this bar, and of course their logo is on there. So things like that. You've got to find, why do people, nobody goes to Facebook with their credit card out, but they go on there with their keyboard out to laugh at funny cat stuff to share the motorhome, they think they're going to win, which is a scam. Uh, And when they see that their friend guessed, they see it come across their timeline. It's a jar of candy. It says, win a $25 gift card, guess how much? And by the way, the reason where that $25 came from was we've tried everything. We've tried win win dinner for a year, win a $1,000 gift card. The smaller, the believable. I had a contest. We did an AB test with a brand. It was free wings for a year or no lie, a $10 dinner card, $10 free, $10 meal at the restaurant. We got 10 to 1 people guessing on the $10 card over the free wings. And I asked consumers, I said, why? I said, oh, we thought it was a scam. Like nobody gives away wings for a year for free. And I'm like, yeah. so you're willing to guess on a $10 item but not you know, wings for a year. So when, when you look at somebody, now granted, people are in your list who also hear about what you have if you have acoustic music night if you have events happening, if you're doing a, a, a charity fundraiser with the Ryle Raiders, the high school that's in your area, uh, if you've got a new menu. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that stuff occasionally. The problem is 90, and I, I'll say this as a pretty good certainty, I'd say 95% of restaurants in the United States of America that use email and texting consistently are talking about themselves
0: 52 weeks a year. So find ways to, to stop talking about yourself and engage. I mean, that's the... That's the foundation of all modern marketing, right, is that taking an empathic stance, right, bring empathy to the table, uh, walk a mile in in someone else's shoes and and just ask questions, stay curious and get to know. Uh, It's something that's uh, really come out of this pandemic, this this switch from um, which I live here in New York City and uh, and I'm tired of this energy. But this, there was a lot of this before the pandemic, right? That you should be lucky to have this table. You should feel lucky to have gotten this reservation. And how much it switched to, thank you so much for coming out and giving us your business. Thank you. I know it's a weird, scary time, but thank you for coming out of all the places you could have chose. And uh, and it's it's a really um, it's really refreshing to see because uh, consumers do have a lot of different choices, a lot of different places um, they can go. So simply by by turning those tables more, you're saying. So let's go. I want to take that back and tell people where I found that, how I know that. Yeah. It, it's back to my story. You mentioned how I got
1: in the business. Uh, so in the first chapter of the book, I think it's, the fir- I think it's in there. Isn't that what yeah, the, it's right I, up at the beginning. My story, chapter one. And the reason I put my story in there is I wanted people to understand that I just wasn't some Moron in his mom's basement that came up with a, a way to market restaurants. I mean, I, I try and show people stuff uh, like we've got a nine thousand square foot office here. We we're not working out of my house. We have a couple a Mercedes van. We have a, a, a Lamborghini the company uses for marketing. We have a, we have some stuff that you know only happens with success. Well, my success came kind of on accident. Was I was in radio advertising right out of college. I worked in TV a little. About lost my mind. Went in the radio advertising sales. And when I worked in radio, I became the trade king. And I don't know if I mentioned this in the book. I don't know if this is it or not, but I became, uh, I had a lot of restaurants as clients because I came up and I was a brand new radio guy. And actually, Doug Smith, who works in my uh, for my company now, was one of the guys on the team there about a year into my radio career. He came as well into radio. Uh, and I had noticed that like every good account was taken. So all these good accounts were taken. So I'm like, okay, who's not taken? Why is nobody calling on restaurants? And everybody, All oh, restaurants don't have any money. They don't spend money on radio. And um, now I realize why. I'm like, they shouldn't but back then I'm like okay well I'm going to find a way and I went and talked to them and I found that most restaurants were pretty comfortable with with trade and cash I'm like okay so if you give us 500 bucks cash and 500 bucks trade and I can get you a pretty solid radio advertising schedule you'd be interested and so I went in and found the remnant inventory because frequency is the whole aspect you can't have one commercial a week on radio you need to have 10 or 15 and I went in and cherry picked the spots I said hey people are on their way home from dinner all the way home from work, you know, five 30 to eight 30 on a Friday night. And it's actually ironically not a very big time for us for whatever reasons. And Saturdays from four o'clock to seven o'clock, people are out driving around at home goods stores and getting home improvement stuff. Uh, and they haven't gone to dinner yet. Let's advertise then. So long story short, I got a lot of restaurant clients at the same time, me and my dad and brother got together and decided we wanted to start a boat and RV dealership. And none of us like my dad had the expertise in the boat and RV business. Uh, I had a little bit of knowledge in marketing. I mean, if I say little, little, it was a little. And my brother was just coming back looking for a career. He was in the Navy, had just retired, was coming back to town. And so we were looking, not retired, got out of the Navy after nine years. We were looking at some stuff to do. My dad said, hey, you guys are, you guys could both be morons for all I know. So we're going to, we're going to take out a $5,000 loan from the Bank of Kentucky and we're going to do, build a website. Matt, go for how to build a website. And we're going to, advertise the company. We're going to do a consignment. We're going to eventually get a lot. So we did that. Uh, I went to a place called SNS Computer Solutions, uh, Glenn Warner. He was actually a client of mine in radio. And I bought a book on how to design websites on PageMill. And I'm not a tech person, by the way. Like, I still, I say I'm not now. I know enough to be you know, pretty scary with it. But back then I used to make fun of my wife for using this thing called email. When she was in college, she would email me like, why don't you just call me? Why don't you write me a letter? It was stupid email crap. And she always haunts me that day with it. She's like, Matt, it's funny. I used to make fun of me back then uh, for email. But so long story short, buy the book, build a website. We built that company up to fifteen million uh, within four years in annual sales. Put it in perspective, the average boat dealership back then was doing two or three million a year in sales. We were doing fifteen. But the way we found it was we had uh, kept getting a virus, and Glenn would come in. And th- I think this in the book, isn't it? I think it is. But uh, I can't remember how I told the story in there, but it's also online. You can watch it. But it's kind of funny. As Glenn comes in, and I'm like, dude, are you planting a virus on our computers? Because every month, you get to get a check for like two Gs. And it seems like this thing never ends. He's like, no, I'm not planting the Trojan horse in your computer. Somebody in your place is in here doing stupid crap consistently. So we put in a software that tracked everybody's usage of the internet. We told them, hey, when you log in your computer, we see what you're doing. So stop doing stupid crap. We got to find out which one of you guys is downloading the virus. We ended up finding out it was a, actually an attractive female employee, and she was downloading adult uh, videos, which was a whole other conversation because now she was the most <laughs> smart commodity in the dealership. Uh, but we end up getting this, and a, we get it fixed. And about a month or two later, Glenn brings back this giant binder. It's literally like, I wish I still had It's like 10 inches thick, I remember it. He's like, Matt, this binder is you're going to love, and your dad's going to fire everybody. I mean, why? He was like, well, this is the binder that shows everybody's internet usage the last you know, six or so months. And he's going to see that everybody is on websites that have nothing to do in his mind with work. They should be selling boats, but they're on fishing.com chatting about fishing boats. And so he goes, you are going to love it because these chat rooms are a goldmine for for uh, web traffic. And I'm like, okay, what, what's web traffic? He's like, the traffic to your website. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I still didn't understand it back then. And so I investigated it. Uh, me and my dad looked at it and sure enough, My dad said, fire everybody. And I'm like, no, 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 let's figure it out. So I went in and figured out that all of these websites that we had uh, employees on, BassBoatCentral.com, Fishing.com, Arctic Cat ATV forums, uh, Airstream Camper forums, you name it. We had a hardcore thing. We would hire only people that could exhibit, uh, that could show us that they were an outdoorsman. I didn't want somebody working at our dealership that somebody walked in and said, hey, I'm looking for you know, campers, uh, awning lights for my camper. And I go, what's that? Like, I hate that. Like, If you mm-hmm. don't want awning lights for a camper, I get, get out. And so all of our employees were avid outdoorsmen. They hunted, they fished, they camped, they did everything. And so it made sense that in their downtime, which in your retail, if you ever worked in retail, like a restaurant from three to seven, if you're forced to be there, there's a lot of stuff that you, you, there's not a lot to do. You can screw around a lot. And so these guys are always on the internet. And this is before Facebook, before MySpace, before any of that stuff. And so I started looking at it, all these chat rooms, for whatever reason, they all had the same exact equation. Hey, for 500 bucks you can be an exclusive sponsor of the website. And so I went to all of them and, and figured out a way to sponsor. We were the Yamaha outboard dealer for one. Oh, we have a Mercury one. Okay, we'll be Triton bass boats for here. And the, they all had the same rules. Like basically 500 bucks a year, which was comical to me. 500 bucks a year was pretty freaking cheap. Uh, and you couldn't sell was number one. You had to be informative and educational, and you had to agree to have your team come on there and answer questions about problems people were having, like in the bass boat business. Why is my boat not going fast enough? Why is there too much drag? Blah, blah, blah. And then it was also, you had to have a link in your bio. So it had to have like your actual name, link to your website, and your company name. And and I'm like, okay, cool. So I went to all of our employees, and hey, I pull them in one by one. Sean, I got a problem. What? Well, and they... They, I knew all this, but they didn't have it. They'd already forgotten about it. It had been months since they were tracked. I said, you know, uh, I bought a, a sponsorship on BassBoatCentral.com. He's like, oh, my God, seriously? I'm on there every day. I'm like, you are? I didn't know that. He's like, yeah. <laughs> well, man, maybe you can help me. What? It's like, well, we're, we're the exclusive sponsor of Triton Bass Boats, and under that agreement, we have to agree to have somebody on there every hour answering questions about bass boat performance in the Triton board. Well, I can do that. I, I'm, I'm hardcore this. I'm like, cool, you do it. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought it was just advertising our name. I'm like looking for awareness, name awareness, name awareness. Well, what it ended up doing was we had 17 or so employees every day. Like Bass Boat Central, to put it in perspective, this is back then. This is back in like 03. Had 22,000 daily active bass boat owners on the forum. And I'm looking. There's no dealers. It was all manufactured. I was the first dealer to sponsor the site. Yeah. And so long story short, about four or five months later, we're at a uh, Yamaha dealer meeting. We we're the number three dealership in, for Yamaha in the United States. We crossed a lot of boundaries. We weren't supposed to. We did some gray area stuff, but they liked us. And Ben Jarrett walks over to me and he says, hey, Matt, I need your help with something. Like, yeah, he goes, goes to his computer and, no lie. He types in you know, Google, google.com. I'm like, what is that? Because I didn't really know what it was. And he's like, this is a search. He's like, okay, okay. It's like AOL. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So he's like, types in PLAPS. Uh, Types in Yamaha four-stroke motors and Plaps Pro Outdoors comes up number one, Yamaha number two. I'm like, I didn't do that, bro. He's like, Yeah, you did. I'm like, No, I did. He's like, You got in trouble. I'm like, okay, I probably did it. And so at that point, he's like, Hey, can you would you mind? Because I was on an educational board for the Yamaha dealers. We had a top 20 dealers, they called it the Symposium 20, that we'd get together quarterly and give, you know, best practices to other dealers to help bring the industry up. You know, all tides rise. And so uh, I went back and figured out what SEO was and realized that. You know, Glenn, the website guys like Matt. You realize the thousands of pieces of organic content you have out there that are driving traffic. Well, that was the start of social media for the most part. So, fast forward to 2008, we were getting out of the business. My dad hated it. I hated having 40 employees. My brother didn't really care for it much. Uh, And I had gotten so much uh, exposure in the business career. The Cincinnati Enquirer. I was on the cover of Boat and Motor Dealer. We were everybody knew we knew what we were doing with digital. And so that got me to where we started the company, the marketing firm. Well, the reason I bring all that up is that I was able to know that because I knew our customers and I was able to grow the business through all those times, grow our email list and grow our text list. We had a text list back then. We texted people one off back in the early days. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, uh, but we did it. We did email, We, we segment, we used a program called ACT. I don't know if you remember ACT or not. It was a B2B sales tool. I used it in radio in the 1990s and early 2000s. We used it at the boat dealership. And every single person who, that was a rule, uh, our employees got paid a dollar for every contact they added to act. And so when they added them, hey, how do we know them? Oh, Arctic Cat Forum. Cool. Tag them ATVs. Tag them this. And we were consistently doing one-off emails. I remember one of my first mass emails I did, we signed on a company called Power Sports Network that bought by a boat and RV trader eventually. And PSN had a tool where you could send out mass emails. And the first time I had, could do it in this manner, I sent out an email, very, very specific email, very specific. We had taken on a thing called Max uh, ATV, six-wheel ATVs. And we also did some stuff with Arctic Cat. And sent out an email and had like 800 replies. And I was like, uh. <laughs> I, I spent like three days answering these emails because people replied. It was, it was new. But I say all that to talk about that there's a power in data. Uh, and when i started my marketing consulting firm in 2008 i went back to my database from act when i worked in radio from 99 to 03 because i did both jobs for three years full-time uh non-stop and i took that database and reached out to my people that were radio clients and continued the relationship and a lot of them were clients there's still some of them that are clients of ours today so that's where that's how i got here from a standpoint and you know accidentally started using data in the late 90s. And I think that when I look at the biggest problem I have with restaurants is the fact that so many of them are ignoring the number one asset they have, and it's the people already making the effort to come to your restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's two big things with data. Number one, you can use data to get people to come back. And then number two, you can use that data to tell Facebook and Google, hey, here's 500 people... Who eat at my restaurant all the time? I let's find me five hundred more of them that live within a mile of my restaurant. It's gold.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I'll go one further. I said the third, the, the third, and perhaps best thing you can do with data is that you can improve the guest experience because if you know the guest better, you know what they're looking for. You can uh, you can go above and beyond, which is going to help maximize the spend. You know wh- when they do walk in the door. Okay, so. I want to be really cognizant of your time, and I know you got a hard out coming up. So I want to go back and say so much of this is about getting people into your system, learning about them so that you can remarket to them, market them over and over and over again in the ways that they want to be marketed to. Yep. How do you get people into the system to begin with? Talk to me about some of the basic ways. How can they get started with this, the operators that are listening to this interview?
1: So there's, there's five tactics that we use, and I'll put these in order of importance, to get people's data. Yep, And I'll I'll say, before I say tactics, I'll say places. Number one is you're in your store. That everybody, I I talked to an operator the other day who 54 people in four months had given their information to his cashiers at his restaurant. I said, okay, 54. I know your business pretty well. I'm going to guess you have 1,000 unique customers a week paying you. Yeah. So you have 1,000 people giving you a credit card every week for the last four months. And you know, there's duplication. So let's just call it 10,000 people in four months. And 54 managed to give you their information. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Go, yeah, it's terrible. I said, here's what it tells me. You didn't make it as important. It's kind of like when the pandemic hit. Everybody's like, oh, we've got 20 seconds, like Josh Copel said this last week. Washing our hands for 20 seconds. <laughs> Josh, like, man, you should have been washing your hands for longer than that for a long time. You should have been washing up on your arms, everything. But You've got to make asking for the customer's information part of your SOP. So okay. that when somebody comes to the register with their credit card, before your employee takes their credit card or asks them to put their credit card in, they say, "Hey, hey, Chip, uh, your bill's twenty one fifty five today." But by the way, I, I I see that you're not using your phone. And you, there's different tactics you can know they're a member of something. Like in our case, it's that they use their phone. We know they're in the program. Hey, I see you're not using your phone. Are you a member of our VIP program? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, you want your burrito free next time? Yeah. Cool. Do me a favor. Scan this QR code. and going to answer five quiz questions. You're going to get a couple cool promos, including that free burrito I promised you. Scan that for me real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Cool. Go ahead and put your credit card in pay. If you make it part of the process, you got to wash your hands you go to the bathroom. You got to put gloves on when you p- pick up food. You got to get their credit. Make it part of the process. Okay. The, the hardest thing to get is somebody to come to your business. They've already driven their car there. They've parked there. They've walked in the front door. You know, like my wife, she pulled her sleeve over her hand and opened the front door, but she opened the front door. She did the other night, cracked me up. She's, she's, I call her the ultimate germaphobe, even way before the pandemic. Maybe she's smarter than all of us, uh, but she has a COVID twice, so maybe not. Um, (laughs) So she, you know, they went through all this effort to come to your business. Go through as much of an effort to find out who they are and why they're coming to see you so that you can create a relationship with them. The second place you can get information is from your current data. Uh, I talked to a restaurant recently that when the pandemic hit, they went to online ordering, like a lot of places did, and you you pick it up, you order it, you come in, you grab it, you leave. They have 17,000 people, unique people, that have used their online ordering for their five locations since March of 2020. They've yet to email or text them. Yeah. Matt, we're scared. What do you mean? We don't want to piss them off. We don't know what to do with it. Like, can we, how do we, how do we use it? And so take your current data and figure out a way to get more data. Maybe you only have an email address, email. Hey, by the way, if you want an amazing experience, next time you come in and get a a free cookie with your meal, click this button, go here, answer five questions. You always, you'll hear me say that. Set the tone. When they click the button, what are they going to be asked to do? If I say, click the button, go answer five quick questions, 20 seconds, you can opt out at any time. We're going to give you X, Y, Z. Do that. They'll do it. The third place uh, to get data is your website. People are visiting websites. They're on your website for a reason. Just like they came to your store, they took the effort to find your website. You have an intrusive pop-up that comes up and says something really sexy. Free cake. Who doesn't love free cake and a kid with a giant slice of cake from your restaurant? Everybody loves free cake. Click here to get free cake. The next place is, and I'm putting these in order of importance from an ease standpoint. Uh, The next place is online listings, Google My Business, Yelp. We had a client that went to his Yelp page, put a link on there with a little image we gave him that said, uh, click here to get a free burrito for your next visit. He had 133 people the first month click that link. He paid nothing for it. It was was just his Yelp. And then the last but not least is social media, Facebook and Instagram. I leave those last because it's the easiest place to get traffic and convert, but it's it's the least effective traffic because anybody can comment or click really quick. And so the the biggest thing there is when you have these places, have a QR code in your restaurant and tell people, hey, uh, don't say, yeah, you scan the code and it does something. Like tell them, hey, do me a favor. We want your business. We want you to have the best experience. Scan that code. Answer five questions. You're going to get some awesome stuff. Hey, by the way, you're also going to get asked how your visit was today. If we rocked, please tell our boss we rocked. If we didn't, please tell our boss we didn't so we can fix it. I love it. You just take those tactics down the line. You get what you ask for. You, get, you don't get what you don't ask for. And if you don't ask for somebody's name, phone number, email, and birthday, guess what you're not getting?
0: Absolutely. Uh, listen, Matt, I- I'm so appreciative of your time. I know you got to go. Uh, I appreciate uh, the book. Uh, I read it in, I don't know, three days. It's really good. Uh, listen, uh, Matt gave me an extra one uh, that I get to give away to uh, a lucky listener. So uh, in order to get this book, if you want it, uh, it's totally free. I'm, I will mail it to you. Uh, email me, Chip at chipclose.com. That's C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. Tell me what your biggest struggle, that you're, uh, the biggest challenge you're facing right now, and why you think this book is the right move for you, uh, why you need this book. It is super, super good, uh, and I will give this copy away. Matt, where can they go find a copy if they just want to buy it themselves?
1: Yeah, easiest place is Amazon. Go to Amazon, type in Matt Plapp. You'll see I've written three books that are on there. Restaurant Marketing Networks is the newest one. It's white with orange and blue on the front. Uh, and then if I can put it out there, you can find more information uh, about me and uh, blogs and information, mattplapp.com, uh, M-A-T-T-P-L-A-P-P.com. And this is real. My cell phone number, if you want to call me or text me, I'm open to talk to anybody. I, I love talking to people, especially those in the trenches. Uh, if you're a restaurant operator right now, still in business, you're a hustler. And I appreciate hustlers. And you guys have hustled your butts off. So 859 859- That's my cell phone number. If you call me or text me right now, I'll see it. And if I can hop on a call with you, I'll do as best I can.
0: Excellent. Uh, of course, all those links will be in the show notes. Uh, Matt, I appreciate your generosity, the humility, and, and all the wisdom and insight you bring uh, to everything you do. Um, I want to make sure that people go check out uh, America's Best Restaurants and, uh, and of course, your company, and just learning about all these different uh, operators that you're supporting all over the country. Appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Any last words of wisdom before I let you go? Attract, build, retain. If you want it,
1: attract the attention. If you want to keep it, build a database and retain the people's attention.
0: Excellent. I think it's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Have a good day.
1: Well, Thanks, brother.
0: Once again, I want to thank Matt for taking time out of his day to sit and chat with us. Again, if you want a copy of his book, uh, the link is in the show notes. You can go buy your own copy, or if you want a free copy, email me directly, chip at chipclose.com, C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. Tell me what your biggest challenge is in the restaurants right now and why you think this book is going to help you solve that problem. Email me just those answer those two quick questions. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, I'm gonna pick one uh, out of all the people I get, and I will send you a copy. I will mail you the copy uh, totally free. So again, chip at chipclose.com, C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. Again, another big thanks to our sponsors and to Matt for taking the time out of the day. Uh, I hope you guys got something out of this show. I will see you next week. Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout-out to all of our gold and platinum members, Ty Hames, Bob and Kate Carpenter, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurantstrategy. Again, the link is in the show notes.